Welcome to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther was a parish pastor, later professor and first president of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He was also the first president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. These sermons were preached from 1840 to 1870, predominantly in congregations of the St. Louis area. Unfortunately, we do not know the specific dates and locations of most of these sermons as they have been lost to time. These sermons were originally preached and published in German and translated by Donald Heck. They're available in two volumes from Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. Thank you for listening. Sexagesima, Luke 8, 4 to 15. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, there were times when Christians did not enjoy the benefits of being able to gather publicly and there undisturbed hear God's word and praise and call upon him. In the Holy Scriptures, we read that the believers of apostolic times could gather only in private homes. But even here, Christians dared hold their services only behind locked doors. And church history informs us that in the first three centuries, the most unbeaten paths, forests, caves, and desolate tombs had to be sought out by Christians whenever they wanted to gather to hear the word of life and in their troubles pour out their hearts to God. It is true that at times the kinder heathen kings permitted them to build beautiful churches. Often, however, the very same king ordered these churches torn down. Yes, it repeatedly happened that their churches were set on fire while the Christians were assembled in them. All who worshipped Jesus Christ were burned to ashes. Those certainly were trying times. Yet, it is even more trying when Christians possess a beautiful church in which they can assemble peacefully, but in which God's word is either slandered or falsified. A church in which human fancy and cleverness is preached instead of God's word is nothing else than an open door to hell, a shambles of Satan. It would be better for one to go into a den of robbers and murderers than to into such a church of unbelievers. Thieves would kill only his body. But in a church of unbelievers, his immortal soul would be killed. However, a church in which God's word is partly preached, or is still read from the Bible as God's word, though it is falsely expounded and perverted, is a place where many wells of life and comfort are stopped up, and souls are led over dangerous detours. Here also, Satan, with generous hand, sows malignant weeds alongside the good seed of the word of God in the hearts of the hearers to seduce them. Such churches are so dangerous that even Christ says of them, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Matthew 21. If one can go only to such a church, it were better for him to read the word of God at home, even if in tearful solitude. What a blessing if Christians have both, if they not only can go peacefully to church, but also if they have a church where God's word is preached in its purity and the sacraments are administered according to Christ's institution. Such a church, be it ever so small and plain, is worth more than all the glittering palaces of the great and rich of this world. 
Such a church is the place where the poor sinners can not only talk with God, but also where God speaks to him through the mouth of a man, where God, through his word, not only shows him the way to heaven, but also where the very heaven of grace and salvation opens wide to him. Whoever enters into such a place has reason to say with Jacob, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven, Genesis 28. However, as great as the advantage is, which those enjoy who can gather in such a church, we dare not suppose that such blessed people cannot be lost. Alas, no, they hover in great danger as to their salvation. It is this in which I plan to present today for your awakening and encouragement. Luke 8, 4-15 And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town to town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. The word of the Lord. We are told in the gospel just read that a great crowd gathered around Christ to hear him. That desire was so great that, as our text says, they hurried to him out of the cities, and men otherwise were accustomed to chase after only earthly things. Yet, according to Matthew and Mark, the crowd was so great that in order to find room, Christ had to preach from a ship, while on the shore the people silently listened to his sermon. Would you not think that Christ would have called all these hearers blessed because of their great zeal? Yet what does Christ do? He shows in a parable that only a small percentage of those who diligently hear God's pure word will be saved. He, therefore, at the conclusion, cries out with a warning voice, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. For our warning, permit me today to answer the question, Why are so many who diligently hear God's word not saved? On the basis of our gospel, I answer, Because many hear God's word, but do not seek to understand it, and therefore do not come to faith at all. Because others come to faith through God's word, but do not let it take root in them, and therefore do not remain in the faith. And because still others have God's word take root in them, but at the same time let worldliness come up, and therefore bring forth no fruit in patience. 
Our gospel reading today teaches that all men are like a field. As a field of itself bears only weeds, so nothing but the weed of sin grows from the heart of man if the seed of the divine word is not sown in it. Most men are not lost because they refuse to read or hear God's word diligently, but because they despise and reject it as foolishness. If at least those who would be saved to diligently read and hear God's word, but what happens? When many experience how necessary the hearing of God's word is for salvation, they hear it diligently and zealously. They even read God's word in their homes. They suppose that this is the only thing necessary for salvation. They look at the hearing of the word as a good work, by which one fulfills his Christian duty, shows that he is a Christian, and is saved. Yet how sadly they deceive themselves. Far be it that they should receive salvation by diligently hearing God's word. This very hearing hinders their salvation. What was given them for life and salvation becomes a savor of death unto death. Why? Christ tells us at the beginning of our text. He says first, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Christ himself explains this parable thus, The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. According to Matthew's report, Christ also added the words that these are they who hear the word of the kingdom, but do not understand. We see that the word of God is like a seed. If the seed is to be used, it is not enough that it should be sown. It must fall into the ground, germinate, and grow up. If the seed falls on hard path so that it cannot mix with the soil, the birds of the air quickly come, eat the seed, and the whole sowing is lost. So it is also with the word. It is not enough that a person let the word be preached to him, that he hears it with his ears. The important thing is that it falls into his heart, that the hearer learns to understand it, and that it shows its divine power in his heart and works true faith in him. If the word, so to say, lies on the surface of the heart, if it does not enter into the heart, Satan comes and takes the word from his heart so that the person does not believe and is lost. As the writer to the Hebrews expressly says, chapter 4, the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Know from this, you who suppose that because you diligently hear God's word, you must be true Christians and be saved, alas, you are sadly mistaken. The mere hearing does not help you at all. If you absent-mindedly hear, do not pay attention and try to understand, Satan, the hellish bird of prey, comes and takes it from your heart so that you do not believe and are not saved. God has given us his heavenly word for the purpose of producing a great divine change in our hearts. By God's word, we should be divinely enlightened that we learn to know ourselves. We should see our great sins and regret them. In the light of the Holy Spirit, we must also learn to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and believe in him. If, through the hearing of the word, a new light does not once shine upon a person in respect to himself and Jesus Christ, if the divine fire of the word does not once pierce the heart so that his heart glows with a desire for Christ, God's word has been preached in vain. Instead of saving him, the hearing of God's word will rather become grounds for complaint that he let this means of grace be without fruit. 
He who wishes to be saved must, therefore, hear God's word with great attention. He must try to understand God's thoughts correctly. These divine thoughts must fill his whole heart, bring forth fruit, and create a living faith and a new life in Christ. If you do not wish that, you must surrender the hope of salvation. Christ says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3. My friends, if all those would be saved who had once taken God's word into their hearts, but most hearers would still be saved, for God's word is so powerful that at times it enters the heart so deeply that the first shoots of an active faith in life suddenly show themselves. Yet, what does Christ in our parable say of the seed of the word? He says, And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up it withered away because it had no moisture. And this Christ himself expounds as follows, The one on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, and in time of testing fall away. There you have the second reason why even so many of those who diligently hear God's pure word are not saved. It is this. Others come to faith through God's word, but they do not let it take root in them, and therefore do not remain in the faith. The same thing happens to the word as to the seed. There are rocks upon which lies only a thin layer of soil. If one sows good seed in such land, the seed grows up so quickly that one would suppose that he could hope for a bumper crop. However, what happens? If days come when it rains little and the sun begins to shine, behold, the green plants begin to dry up just as fast as they first shot up. Why? The plants were able to send out too few roots on rocky land and therefore had too little moisture. So it is with many who diligently hear God's word. Many, it is true, are awakened. Through the working of the Holy Spirit, they learn to see that they are poor sinners who must be concerned about their salvation. They bid farewell to the world. Christ and his grace fill them with joy. They begin to believe in him. They become another person. For a time, they also show great zeal for Christianity. They are daily on their knees in prayer. They seek out the zealous Christians and talk with them about salvation. They confess their faith before the world. And should they be lost? Alas, ever so many of them are lost. What happens? Sad to say. With many, the first zeal lasts only for a short time. Either they are again attacked by their old sins and they let themselves be conquered by them, or through unbelief they have doubts, do not earnestly resist them, and thus they become unbelievers again. Or they are enticed by the children of the world to join in this or that, which they know is sinful. They begin to cultivate a taste for the lust of the world. Or the world ridicules their faith, and gradually they begin to feel ashamed of their Savior. Or they are tempted to indolence and yielding. They cease praying, cease reading, cease hearing God's word diligently, cease watching over themselves, and thus finally fall into spiritual death and weakness. Or they see how others who want to be Christians live an unchristian life, take offense, and thus finally become like these pretend Christians. Who can name all the ways in which so many lose their faith? And what is the cause? When most become Christians, they do not let God's word take deep root in them. They hurry over the consideration of their sinful corruption as quickly as possible. They do not let their rock-hard heart be truly crushed. They never really come to an insight of how corrupt their heart is 
how weak they are without Christ, and how easily they can fall away again. They never learn to become really frightened over their sins, God's wrath, and hell. They never learn to see the depths of their poverty as poor sinners. They wish to start being Christians, but they never count the cost. Quickly, they promise God that they will be different, but they do not know what that they can do nothing if God's grace does not give them power. They are never really freed from a trust in their own powers and have, therefore, begun their Christianity trusting in themselves. Hence, at the first temptation, they fall away, openly desert the word, and leave the community of Christians. Or, they remain outwardly with Christians, but inwardly leave Christ. Alas, they never repent, because they considered their previous repentance a deception, or they comfort themselves with the fact that once they repented, and so, now they are finally lost. Ah, my dear hearers, let us not forget. We are not saved because we once came to faith, but because we remain in the faith. We do not reach our heavenly goal because we once zealously avoided the way of the world and sin and went the way to heaven but because we remained on this way until our end. We are not heirs of eternal life because we once were God's children and reunited with Christ, but because we remained with Christ until our death. Many a one formerly came with us into this church and heard God's word diligently. His heart beat fast when the way to eternal life was explained, and lo, now he comes either not at all or seldom. He has fallen and hurries to meet his ruin. Many a one formerly went the way to heaven with us. He quickly became a zealous Christian, but lo, now he lives and rejoices in the world again. As it is written, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. 2 Timothy 4. He turned his back to his Savior and has fallen, and his goal is now eternal death. But must not many confess that once his heart burned in him whenever the scriptures were explained, but now he is indifferent, cold, and dead? Ah, my friends, consider this. How you began your Christianity will not decide whether you will be saved, but how things stand with you at the end of your life. You who have believed for a time but fell away at the time of temptation, return again. It is worth it to pursue a blessed eternity and escape eternal misery. Just think, God holds it against you that you have left your first love. Repent and do the first works. But this time dig deeper. This time lay a deeper foundation. This time let the word of God take deep root in you. In brief, become poor sinners who cling only to grace, seek only grace, rejoice only in grace. No wind of temptation, no flood of trial will tear down the house of your salvation. My friends, one more point. Today's earnest gospel reading goes still further. It tells us that there are Christians who, though they let God's word take deep root in them, are not saved. We read, And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. These, according to Christ, are they who hear... But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. What the Lord wishes to say is clear. He wants to say that the seed is lost not only when it falls on the beaten path and does not mix with the soil and is eaten by the birds of the air, 
Moreover, the seed is lost not only when it grows up quickly, but being not deeply rooted, withers on the first hot day. The seed is also lost even when it is deeply rooted, but falls amongst the thorns that smother it. The Lord wants to say that the hearing of the word is in vain, not only by those who do not hear it attentively, never learn to understand it aright, and never come to faith. The hearing of the word is in vain, not only by those who receive it joyfully, but do not lay the deep foundation of repentance at the time of temptation and fall away. But it can also happen that even those who have laid a deep foundation for their Christianity and have a deeply rooted faith will lose their crown. Is this actually possible? Without a doubt. For he who is the truth has said it is, and he who tills the soil knows this. A farmer knows that even the seed that is deeply rooted and sprouts most wonderfully cannot hope for a harvest if it does not if he does not root out the weeds which grow up with it. This is true also of Christians. Though a Christian by God's grace has a heart which is ever so well cultivated, his heart is not completely new, nor completely spirit. It still has something, yes, much, of the old evil way. This old evil way of the heart is not dead and unfruitful, but living and powerful, and unceasingly sprouts the weed of sin. If even the best and most experienced Christian is not careful, it does not take long for the weed of sin to overrun the seed of the word and stifle it. There are two special kinds of weeds that threaten death and hell even to a good Christian, either the weed of the care of this world or the weed of the riches and lust of this life. A firmly grounded Christian will not fall easily from fear of the mockery and persecution of this world. Because he does not trust the enticements and flatteries of the world, and he is offended at the evil life of many who wish to be Christians. This nearly always causes beginners in Christianity to fall. Yet how many a strong hero of faith, who has defied the enticing or threatening world, the unbelievers and the sex, has nevertheless fallen because of care in continued trouble, need, disgrace, sickness, and other misery, or through wealth, good days, honor, and the like. How easily unbelieving care, discontent with one's lot, worldly grief over earthly loss, and misery sneak in and stifle the word and faith. How easily the gradual love of the world and trust in temporal things is firmly seated in even the best Christian when he becomes successful and drives the Holy Spirit away again. How easily a Christian falls into the desire to be rich and thus falls, according to the word of the apostle, into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 1 Timothy 6. Hence, be on guard. Examine yourself thoroughly every day. Root out the weed of sin with God's word and prayer. And since one cannot root out everything, hate oneself, be ashamed of oneself, and as a poor miserable sinner, hungry and thirsty, draw daily grace upon grace upon grace from the well of grace. Hence, I now ask all of you, does he who can go to a church in which God's word is preached in its truth and purity, feel secure and suppose that he is in no trouble or danger. 
You will, thinking upon our gospel reading today, all answer, alas, no. In such churches, heaven stands open through the word. But narrow is the way on which one goes into it, and straight is the gate through which one must enter it. Ah, let us not be secure. Above all, you who have not even once diligently heard heard God's word, be afraid. If this happens to a green tree, what what shall be done to the dry? If the righteous scarcely be kept, where will the godless and sinners appear? You diligent hearers. However, do not only diligently hear God's word, but try to understand it and let it go down into your heart. And not only that, but also lay a deep foundation in true, earnest, and daily repentance, that your faith neither withers nor dries up in the heat of temptation. And not only that, but also root, watch and pray that you root out the weeds which shoot up in your hearts and bring forth fruit, fruit in patience. Thus our church will not witness against you, but even in heaven you will cry out with Jacob, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen. You've been listening to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. These sermons are available in two volumes as a part of Walther's Works, Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. We thank you for tuning in, and we pray that God's Word has and will continue to be a great blessing in your life.